This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hi, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. Thanks, brother. You too. We're going to jump right into topic. But before we do that, I just want to uh, encourage you to go to practicalshepherding.com. There's tons of resources you can access there. You can write us, contact us, and see if there's a way we can help you serve you. We would certainly like to do see if there's a way we can uh, help you in whatever way that you need. Um, and in light of that, we, we're going to tackle a topic today that was written in by someone. I think it was even through the, the Facebook message, and we have tons of ways that people reach out to us. And he asked a great question in regard to ministry how, and, and business practices, business models that get pulled into this. So that obviously, there are tons of business books written, and then there's tons of books that are written about applying business practices to churches, to ministries mm-hmm. and local churches. And the question he was asking is, where's the line? Like, where is this profitable for a church, and where is this harmful? And so we we want to we mentioned to you, if any of you write in and ask us to tackle something, we've, we said we'd do what we can to try to address that. So grateful for the pastor who wrote in to this, and that's why we want to take a minute and, and, and tackle this particular issue. So Jim, set this up for us just biblically. How, how do we be, what's a biblical framework for us to think about uh, business models in the church? Are they profitable? Are they good? Do we need to think in business-like terms as pastors, or, or is it just all spiritual and it's all just about soul care? And yeah, so my answer that. is yes and no. So, yeah. Okay, so I think, uh, so there's a sense in which we want to say, uh, we want to want to be very careful and cautious in this. We are... Kingdom of God is its own thing. It's it, it is it is not like you know the the things of this world. It's not uh, the pastor's not a CEO and, and you know with a board and you know directors rather than elders and you know things that we would look at or uh, you know potentially looking at. Okay, well this is how businesses grow and this is how things work. So I think we need to say on the one hand there's there's a there's a hard no and and and, and part of that is even looking at well, first of all, at scripture, but then also at church history, uh, that this is a relatively new pressure. It's a relatively new model uh, that uh, I don't, I'm not aware, certainly I'm not aware of that pastors uh, in the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s were feeling the pressure to embrace a certain kind of business model, you know, that was successful and wherever they were and, and, and to move it to the church and to baptize it and Christianize well, I it. I will, let me stop you. In the SBC, it has been around quite a long time. Uh, maybe a long, but maybe, but I think it's maybe our generation. I don't, it, I'm, it's I, last hundred years for sure. Okay. Last yeah, hundred okay. years. Yep. So, uh, so I mean, on the one hand, we want to say, you know, we want to look at the, you know, the sufficiency of scripture, all scripture is given by God. It is profitable for, and then it lists, and then it, it, Paul's statement is that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yeah, and so we want to say, okay, the, there are sufficiency of Scripture issues that, and only you know, so only the Word tells us how to worship, only the Word tells us how to structure a church. However, having said that, uh, you know, Paul uses an expression in uh, in First Corinthians eleven where uh, he's talking there, it's about men and women and even getting into the whole thing of masculinity, femininity, and hair length and all this stuff. And he uses a phrase, he said, does not nature itself teach you? And uh, in in our my confession of faith, the London Baptist Confession of Faith of, of 1689, there's a statement there, it's in, regard, it's in the first chapter in regard to 
the scriptures and the sufficiency of scriptures, but it says, you know, that there are certain things that are common to all societies, et cetera, that you use the, you know, general revelation, general wisdom uh, in order to, you know, so like that we gather on the Lord's day, you know, that's on this, that's, that script. We have chapter and verse. What time do you gather? Where do you gather? You know, so why do we use buildings? Why do we use chairs? Why do we use light? Why do we have, you know, the Bible doesn't particularly say, you know, make sure, you know, thou hast air conditioning or, or that it doesn't. You know, it, sure. No, it, it, All right. I, I've, I've checked this. Okay. I, I have read the whole Bible. It's yeah. not in there. Um, you know, but whatever the case might be, there is the cool of the cave at one point that's mentioned. That's you know? true. So there is that's a little, true. that'd be a whole nother topic natural, to talk about. We have really a good one. Um, but where you look at it and you say, okay, uh, so we're going to have a business meeting in a couple of weeks. I, I don't have a chapter and verse for that, but there are, there's general revelation. There's, there's matters of that. So we want to be able to report the finances of the church, the giving of the church, the expenditures of the church and those kinds of things, because we believe that it's good and profitable. We believe that it honors God. We believe that it's helpful to the congregation. And, and how do you go about structuring that? How do you how do you decide uh, how to present a budget? Uh, how do you that there's software out there or maybe available to you? Yeah. Um, do you do Robert's Rules of Order, something like that, of where yeah. there's uh, a, a proposal and then a seconding and then you know. Know, a voting and a certain amount of people vote. You know, th- those kinds of things like, you know, 75% vote needed to pass this, or uh, there's no particular verse in the scriptures, but we do, we can look at it and say, okay, this is, there's general wisdom. And in some cases, there are those who seem to have a lot of wisdom and help and efficiency and how to run something uh, well, uh, to do it in a way that's lean, a way that's profitable. Yeah. Uh, and are, are we wasting funds? Are we wasting money? Can this or that be evaluated yeah. in light of certain business principles? So I think it was very different than saying, yeah. hey, we need to run our church a certain way because people like it, and, and this organization thrived when they – revamped everything and renamed everything or whatever the case might yeah. be. So I, I would also, that's good. I would also add um, two, two ideas one, and one really from first Peter five, I think both come from first Peter five where he says, shepherd the flock. That's the main imperative to the pastors mm-hmm. there. But the very next thing he says is exercising oversight. Part of the shepherding role is to exercise oversight. What is, what does that mean? It's right. to have oversight over all the ministry of the church. And part of, being a good steward of what we have oversight over is that we do it in the most some of the most efficient ways possible in the in, with the most integrity and honesty that we conduct these things and so I, I even I do believe that these things a lot of people anyways would would categorize business practices around some of these things to be able to do it most efficiently what to your point though is where we the line we don't want to cross is you know this this new local startup company uh, boomed in the last three years because of A, B, and C. Therefore, our church should surround our ministry around. This is the way we should now do our ministry. Right. That that to me is that's going over the line. And and so I, I think that's we want to establish up front with everybody listening that that's what where you and I are. That we would acknowledge there's there's uh, <laughs> essential practices to steward what we have well in the church, and yet. You can shift easily into a, a 
a worldly pragmatism about actually doing ministry in those right. ways that we don't want to we, we don't want to cross that line. So that's where we're at where we yeah. want to start. So sufficiency of scripture is is a doctrine that we both hold to. Uh, I think we need to ask ourselves sufficient unto what end and it, it it doesn't mean that the scriptures are sufficient means that the scriptures are sufficient for a pastor and and the church to function to understand the will of God for worship, uh, for ministry, but it doesn't mean, again, those things that are common, again, to all societies and to the functioning of, of, of those societies. So again, we're not, it doesn't mean that will tell us that you should meet at 11 o'clock or that you should have, right. that every church will have a morning and evening service, that it will be Sunday school first and then worship after, or you know whatever it is, that there are things that we look at and say, okay, we, we have, that you know that we are to sing. How many songs are we to sing? Should we sing thirty songs? Uh, is that exhausting? You know, should you stand for all of the, you know whatever the case might be? You, you're yep. recognizing that there are matters that are just simply matters of general revelation. That yep. to, to sing forty songs is too much. To uh, to sit on a two by four turned over on the the you know the the side so that you're sitting on the two. Uh, the two-inch side uh, is probably not wise for uh, seating arrangements, or you know whatever the case might be. So, so let's let's move to just kind of categories then of things we would put out there that we we would most would put in a business model category mm-hmm. that churches should embrace. We would say, and I'll start with uh, the, one of the most obvious ones is, is finances. Um, how to keep up with the finances, how to spend money well, how to be able to show to the church that the money that members are giving to the church is actually not being stolen or misused mm, in some mm-hmm. way. So that's probably the first obvious place. I think most of us would, most all of us would agree is, and like you said, there's no there's no scriptural warrant on how to do that. They don't tell you to buy QuickBooks for the church and, right. and use them. But we all would would agree that not only do we need to keep up with the finances in a very accurate, honest way, but we need to do it in a way that we can demonstrate to the congregation we're being faithful stewards of that. And so that would be the first place I would I would throw out there as far as an area, like thinking of categories of things. Finances would be huge. Yeah, and so Brian, part of what you're talking about there is even the is the reporting of finances. I think also we need to think through the priorities of finances. Uh, for instance, you know, if a budget is uh, out of whack again, in in regard to say like so that advertising, uh, you know, in some way or printing up this or that or or uh, publication of certain matters to the detriment of things like mercy ministry or men in ministry being provided for uh, or, or or missions or church planting or you know whatever um, you, again because if your goal what is your goal if your your, your goal yeah. is, is is to function well to administrate well, for the glory of God, so that you can do the things that you know you are explicitly called to do. Yeah. Uh, and so, what uh, I remember, Brian, it was at one of our fraternals, uh, and one of the brothers, we had a brother come in and address the whole issue of administration. And, and he was making the point uh, of that when things are well administrated, 
that it allows for the proper functioning of other things in the church, and that if, if administration is off, uh, that it can throw like a monkey wrench in, 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 into the gear. So you can have the best preaching or, or whatever else, but if, if things aren't put together well, if that whole matter, again, of the light of nature and things that are common are not properly administered, uh, if you're not thinking through the, the presentation, you know, so, you know, does presentation matter? Does, yeah. you know, um, that you would learn, you know, this is not explicitly laid out in the scriptures, but that your building should be clean, that things should, that there should be signage, that things should be obvious how they're laid out or that people are set out to greet or to, there's not a, a, an explicit chapter and verse no, for but that, that's but, business but you practice, look at, I think. right. It and is. you look at that and, and, and yeah. you can say to yourself, okay, you know, we, we maybe just because we're Christians that we, we, we love Chick-fil-A, right? So, but people have said, you know, there's all these memes and stuff like, oh, you know, let whoever runs the Chick-fil-A drive-through run the government and we'll be okay. Let, let them administer the COVID vaccine and we'll be okay. Or let them do this. And part of what you're saying is, listen, there is a delight to that kind of efficiency, that there's a thoughtfulness that has gone into so that uh, I think sometimes maybe as maybe certain kinds of preachers or pastors are more like this. I am more Neanderthal brained, you know, so it's like me just preach, me just be faithful. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that this is done in a timely way. Yeah. It doesn't matter what this looks like. Uh, what matters is integrity. What matters is the word. And to say, well, actually, you know, the, the, that a sense of peace and, and of you know that so that people aren't distracted they're not confused they there's an order to things there's an orderliness let all things be done decently and in order yeah that's a biblical principle god is a god of order and not of disorder but we might need help sometimes to say okay what does that look like so you look at a model again i mentioned chick-fil-a and how they they run things and it's an amazing thing you compare them to I don't know. Want to throw you know throw Arby's under the bus or something like that, but you go there and it takes ten times as long. Uh, there's just as many people working there, you know. But but one has a system in place that makes the whole experience yeah that's right delightful and easy, and you may enjoy the food at another place more. But it is that it's that idea of we have thought through how to administer these things in the best way possible, in the most attractive way possible, uh, that does accord just simply with our being image bearers of an orderly God. So two things in response to that. Number one is I want to push back on something. I believe wholeheartedly if I was an unbeliever, I would love Chick-fil-A just as much. I just want to be on record for that. Number two, All right, Brian, number two before we go to before we leave finances, because we need to go to other areas, I want to highlight, and this, this may, you know, Frustrate a few people, but I just want to say it in regard to budgets. Um, I think something that the business world teaches us about having an accurate budget is really important. Mm-hmm. There are so many churches who don't have accurate budgets they're functioning out of. Yeah. I deal with this all the time. I walked into a church that did the same thing. Mm. They had a budget of one hundred twenty thousand dollars and were bringing in eighty. Um, and and yeah. when I asked what what is all, well, that's what it used to be, and we didn't want to take it out. It's a waste of paper. In my yeah. opinion, to have a budget that's not close to what and it lacks integrity, and it lacks integrity. So I, I would highlight that in regard to budgets. Now, I mean, I've had some pastors push back me on that because you know, well, we we know what we have and we know what we're not going to spend if we don't. So write the budget that way, right? I, I, exactly anyways, right. That's a difference. So, exactly right. But I do think there's a matter of in, integrity there, and uh, 
And a business who would run that would run like that would uh, would be frowned upon in just about every circle. So there's finances, uh, and I, I want what's another area though, Jim? We need to be thinking about that could be applied to uh, that could be a business model that would or something in a business model that would be helpful for the church and uh, functionality. Well, I think uh, having a good website, yeah, uh, a sure. good functioning, attractive, easy to navigate website. So. Th- and, and, and you learned that. Yeah, how did good. you learn? How did you learn that? Well, you learned that because you you saw terrible websites, hard to navigate websites, and then you saw other ones that were very clear, very attractive, uh, easily laid out. Uh, because that's part of the world in which we live. Now, there's no text that says thou shalt have a website or, or anything like that. Uh, it's not demanded that that be done, but in here, Brian, I want to just maybe I'm going to quickly add a, a, an yeah, element here to this: is that we have to recognize just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you know how to do everything. It doesn't mean you know the best color of the walls. It doesn't mean you know how to coordinate things well. It doesn't mean you know how to if there's going to be a church picnic, uh, how to make sure who who reserves the spot. What the what the meal is going to be and what order it's cooked? How many people need to cook? You know, listen. Your job is to to watch over so you, you so you don't have to be the jack of all trades. Yeah. Take advantage of men and women in your church that have administrative wisdom and have business skills that know how to get things done, who know how to do things efficiently, who know how to bring something in on cost, uh, who know yeah. how to. Um, you know, get people to sign up for things. Uh, you know, that is part of, that's good business. That's good savvy. You know, yep. that, that, and those are the businesses that thrive. I mean, again, you go to a business, whether it's a restaurant or you're going to go buy a sign or you're going to go to a hardware store or whatever, and you know when it's well run, you know when there's people there that are trained, uh, that there's somebody available to you and they're available to you quickly, that you like that and it makes you want to come back. And other times you go, things are confusing, they're disorderly, they're sloppy. It might be good material, but if it's sloppily presented, um, I think we need to recognize that human aspect of of that people like things like that and again it's it's not a matter that we're not talking here about a specific matter of exegesis but we're talking about how do you present yourself somebody coming in uh, a, an unbeliever coming in a, a new christian coming in or somebody visiting your church for the first time that they're not hopelessly confused there's somebody there to greet them there's somebody there to point things out. There's somebody to say, this is where our nursery is, or this is where we meet. These are where the bathrooms are. You know, whatever, there's signage, or there's something that's clear, it's it's clean. Um, again, there's no chapter and verse necessarily for that. But again, you know, there are things common in all society. Do you want to go into a dirty building? Do you want to go into a place where there's incompetence? Do you want to go into a place that's yeah. confusing? Uh, so, yeah, so those are things I think. Yes, we can learn, and that, and we can take it. Sorry, we, uh, I didn't want to interrupt, but, but we we want to take advantage of the wisdom of other people, whether in your diaconate or just people that can bend your ear, or you can bend their ear and ask, "Hey, you know, you've been here. How can we do this better uh, as a congregation?" Yeah, and, and that's excellent. I think that now's a good time to just highlight, in light of what you said. So what one of the things we can learn from business models is to do things in do things well with excellence, do them in an orderly way. 
that that's just helpful for people in general. What the line we don't want to cross, which I would say, and I, I was in these circles for years, and that's why I want to say this. The line is, is that a church begins to rely more on doing things in an excellent way, right. in an orderly way, than trusting it's the word through the spirit of God exactly that right. builds the church. And I want to highlight that because I've been a part of churches that rely more on the performance, the the, sh- the sharpness of everything, the excellence of right. how things are done, instead of relying on God builds his church spiritually through his word and through the spirit of God at work. So this maybe just felt like the right time to highlight yeah, that for us. No, you're us. right, Brian. I think you need to ask yourself, because I, th- I, I, and I don't want to sound overly overly judgmental in this. I'm perhaps making a degree of judgment in this, but you know, I, I have seen and I've witnessed, I've witnessed certain churches, and it sounds like you have as well, where you could remove the Holy Spirit from it, and they have so much of the machinery in place that they know how to run on empty, as it were. They, oh, yeah. they know how to turn a plane into a glider yep. uh, and ride the currents of excellence, of presentation, and, and and still they'll get people to come, and still there'll be responses, and you may still get decisions and people walking, but it's really devoid of the Spirit. Well, well, you made a great point there, because here's, and this is exactly why pastors get drawn into the business model being what drives it, instead of a spiritual ministry model, right. is... You can create results that you're wanting by this, right? And that's where the that's where the pull is. That's why uh, we can get so caught up in in the results because again, businesses find results in the practices they do in their business. So right. there's some people who run churches, and the, there's a philosophy, and it's been around in the SBC for at least a half right, century right, right, right. that we we use these business models to build the church, like we build business, and we'll see the same results. Right. And in some ways, they do see those results. The question is, you know. How hollow and right. immature and unspiritual is it when right. it happens? Is that, right. So we're making is all the difference in the world. I think between saying, "Listen, we want to be in a where somebody can come in and and and, and be seated in a a comfortable, structured environment." where now you bring the dynamics of that there have been people that have been praying, uh, the word has been studied, a man's heart is ready, people's hearts are ready to receive. You, you, you ask in anticipation of the Spirit of God coming and blessing that time of worship. People's hearts are lifted up. Prayers are offered. The Word is read. You know, at that point, we are doing, you know, the, the, it is, you know, the, the, maybe some of the outward package has been helped with the business, but all that takes place within now uh, is guided and guarded by word and spirit, spirit and sacrament. Right. That's right. So uh, let's let's each of us maybe have a a last thought on this. Here's here's mine. I I would say that there's benefit in some business practices around how to lead, and I want to be careful with that because there's whole Christian books on leadership that basically is is re you know repackaged business model leadership, and there's nothing right. spiritual about it. And I want to be on record that's not at all what I'm advocating for. Right. I will say though. There are some patters, pastors that are terrible leaders, and and they're at least really bad administrators. And, yeah, yeah. and I say or both. I yeah, mean, just right. like so. I, I think that I want to highlight that that don't assume just because you're a pastor you actually know how to lead people. And there are some biz- the, the successful business models that are out there have leaders who have staff and employees in a business that they they encourage they set them up well to succeed when something good happens they let the staff take the credit for it not them yeah. like i think those are really good 
uh, ways to lead for a pastor to to learn from. So I do want to highlight that. I think there's some there's helpful ways to do that. Where it crosses the line for me though, and then I've I've watched this happen is when the the cutthroat aspect of business models, the leadership of that comes in and it is not applied at all in a shepherding way. It's not mm-hmm. applied in a I w- I'm actually loving and caring for this person's soul as my church staff member. They're not they're not a, a, a employee that I can hire and fire and and have a detachment from. So I I want to acknowledge there's definitely a line you don't want to cross. But I do think there's some leadership principles that some pastors would actually benefit from 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 a business model. So. Yeah, so I, I'm just going to follow up on that, Brian, a little bit and say, you know, we live in, it's, this is God's world, you know, so God, ha, God has smothered his world with his fingerprints, it's everywhere, and, and so we can learn from all kinds of things, uh, again, not, not our explicit duty as a pastor, but sometimes how to do it well, and so whether, you know, sometimes you, you, you can watch a documentary about a, a military leader or about a coach or uh, or businessman or somebody who loved people and served people and motivated people and moved people and realize that there are things that, is there a way to take that and righteously baptize it? Yeah, as, as right. Plunge it into the truths of Scripture, but to say, boy, you know, he had a way of encouraging. He had a way of leading. He had a way, and there's a reason why, you know, even in, in a secular sense, God blessed that. And God used that. Yeah, I don't right. think we should be blind to that. We should be have our hearts open to that. So as we read widely, whether you're, you're reading a sports book or a military book or a history book or a book about politics or whatever else, to look at these things and say, what are they doing well? What are they doing poorly? What is it that I can, you know, I, I do that. You know, really somebody's doing something poorly and say, I've done that. I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've shot from the hip too much. Yeah. I, I've been ill-prepared, uh, you know, whatever the case might be. Their preparation, their integrity, their kindness, whatever it is that allows them uh, to come alongside and, and, and be a, a, an effective leader of people. I think, I think whatever, whether we're reading our Bibles or we're reading history, we can have an eye open to those those principles. So I want to close by giving a couple of book recommendations. And this is funny because I don't want to recommend a Christian leadership book in the, this conversation. I almost want to go to the two sides of a book that is a secular business book that would be read like that and go read this and think about what maybe mm. you could be helped by it. It's a book Do you called, have one of mine? It's go called ahead. Good to Great. And it's a it's a it's a very famous popular book that that you know the businessmen and, and entrepreneurs read, um, but I would throw that out. again. It's it's not a Christian book, but it, it's there's some principles in it I think are helpful for pastors. I'll throw out there. On this other side is that we have a practical shepherding book that addresses the very balance we're talking about. Oversee God's people is a book about shepherding and realizing that administration in the church is not a a void of shepherding. It's actually a part of it. And I think that's what First Peter 5 is talking about. There's two books I would throw out there uh, that might be helpful to just to two extremes. And who, who wrote the first book? Uh, I, I'm, I'm losing, I'm can't remember. Oh, Brian, I know, gone man. from great to mediocre. I know, it just shows you how well I know my secular uh, business <laughs> book, right? But I just, Look I read up. that Google years it. ago and it was helpful. So Jim, I'm going to ask you if you will just pray, I think for just wisdom and balance for pastors that would, they gained something from looking at to others, but ultimately they stay faithful in their task to, to preach and to shepherd and to realize it's word and spirit that builds the church ultimately. Yes. We pray right. for us. Yes, I will. 
Our Father in heaven, we do we thank you this is your world, and we thank you that you have shown your wisdom and your power uh, in, in obviously in your word and in providence, but, but also, Father, in the ordering of, of the societies in which we live. And Father, again, we simply pray that you'd give us humility, help, and wisdom, uh, Lord, to take those things that are good and profitable and that would aid uh, in the... Uh, and the profitability of, of, of how we put our uh, order, our church life together. But, Father, that ultimately we would in all ways be rooted and grounded and built upon the solid foundation of Christ and, and the apostles and prophets. We ask your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.